Hi, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Copcast podcast brought to you by World Football Index. Tonight, I'm joined by two pod regulars, first up in the form of Neil Devlin. Uh, happy Neil Devlin. Uh, <laughs> Nabby in, Bel- in Belfast. How are you, Neil? Or are you happy? Unhappy? When am I not happy, Dave? Tell me. Well, uh, do you want me to list days? Yesterday, the day before, the day before that, the day before that, the day oh, before that. I go the whole way back and to the oh, end of the season. A range will be fine. <laughs> <laughs> well, you've had you've had a couple of moments when you thought you thought we were about the same players, but you ended up being foiled in those. So I ended up How's being right. Friend, anyway? You mean I ended up being right? Oh, well, so it, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, you you were quite upbeat for a stage, and then and then you just seemed to go off a cliff. I know it even happens to the best of us. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're very welcome. Anyway, also up in our regular um, in the form of Dave Dunning, who seems to be on every pod. How are you, Dave? All well? Yes, I'm good. Thanks, Dave. How are you? I'm great. Absolutely great, apart from a very bad day, but but great. And I, I hear you're going to come on, on the defensive tonight, so you're welcome. Little chinks of light everywhere if you look hard enough for them, mate. There's one, three points. Other than that, let's move on. And we have, in the form of our guest tonight, uh, the host of the Cup Table podcast in the form of Pete Phillips. Pete's been a while. It's been fucking ages since I've been on a pod with you. How are you, lad? Oh, I'm, I'm good. Thanks, Dave. Yeah, it's been a while since we've done, uh, done a podcast together. Looking forward to it. And uh, thanks very much for, for inviting me on with you guys. Oh, more than welcome. I'll say our two main pods. We've had two scousers in two weeks. There, you, there you go. <laughs> I call it improvement. I'll start with you. What was your thoughts the weekend? You know, obviously we got three points. For, forget about everything else. The points in the bag. It was scrappy. It was untidy. You know, from seventy-two minutes onwards, we looked better. We still weren't great. You know, we're up against a Palace side that, in the two weeks that we've seen them, have not inspired in any way. You know, they had one meaningful effort and target. You know, we had a lot of personnel changes with with this Champions League qualification. Do you feel that that played a part in, in the lack of the, sort of that cutting edge that we just didn't have on Saturday? Most definitely. I think with the changes that we made, it's obviously made, made a, a difference, hasn't it? You've had Gomez coming in. Basically, it was three out of the back four from the previous game was not included. Matip was the only one who kept his place. So you've got three three changes there in the back line. And then you had Salah dropping out as well, didn't you? Onto the bench. To be honest, I, I thought Liverpool played. They, they controlled the game, didn't they? They didn't really have too many too many scares at our end. They had that chance from Van Aert. I think it was the first half, wasn't it? He went clean through down the left hand side, and and Simon Mignolet pulled off a good save, and then the chance from from Christian Benteke when Loftus Cheek got round the back of Clavan and pulled it back, and Benteke's skyder over the bar. So other than them two chances, I thought Liverpool pretty much contained Crystal Palace. They controlled the midfield game. Obviously, we spoke beforehand about the three midfield guys who was in there, and they're pretty much doing the same job, aren't they? Milner, Henderson, Wijnaldum, it was at the weekend, and then you're looking for that that creativity, aren't you? Obviously, we're missing Coutinho at the moment, and, and Lallana, like we've spoken. That little gap between the midfield and the strikers, it's not it's it's not there, is it? You haven't got that little... It's a missing link, basically. So, I think that if Lallana and Coutinho are still going to be out for, for the foreseeable future, it's it's one position that, that you... And Klopp certainly needs to address it in, in this transfer window. I know they've been linked with the likes of Draxler and people like that, but it just seems like it's that missing link that it's blatantly obvious to see for me. For me, I don't know whether you guys agree, but that's that's what that team's missing. Neil, I'll, I'll come to you. Uh, you know, Pete's sort of happy enough, and I don't think you'll be happy enough. Uh, but we seem to attack, you know, down the left, down the left. It was almost like we didn't have a right side, especially, I think, maybe more so. Robertson uh, was really, really good. Brilliant debut. But it seems like everything that we did went down the left. It was like, you know, Joe Gomez, I thought, for the time I say he did have the ball, wasn't bad at all. But he didn't have the ball half enough. 
Yeah, but I think that was by design from the off. I don't think that was to be expected. Joe Gomez is a lot of things, but I don't think an attacking fullback is one of them. <laughs> I think he was just put in as basically a placeholder there because he could do the job. We forget that he's he's only twenty himself. He's not a, he's not an experienced player by any means, and I think just to tie us through these few uh, fixtures. He's been put in place there just just to sort of steady the ship because you know that he's going to do the defensive job properly. And although he came on and he gave away the free kick at Hoffenheim because he just wasn't really quite up to speed with the game, I think from from the off he was fine. Uh, we looked def- defensively astute today. I think it's it's worth or not today on Saturday. I think it was worth noting that without Lovren in that back line, everything just looks that bit calmer, doesn't it? A bit steadier. Everybody seems to have a bit more confidence within themselves. Matip doesn't look half as bad, but Lovren's not there. And we all know Clavin, he's no, no great defender, but he seems to do the basics correctly. Apart from that one where he let, was it Loftus cheek through to, to square for Benteke, who really should have scored. There's no panic in the back line when Clavin's there. And then that was sort of translated out to Joe Gomez as well. And everyone was just sort of happy. And content, and I think it was by design that left hand side we were going to attack there. Manny was on that side too. It was going to happen all up that side. James Milner was there to sort of track back back for Robertson. You probably noticed as well where it wasn't quite happening on the other side with Ginny Ginny Manaldum. Yes, he he'll do the defensive work, but he's not quite as up and down as Milner because Milner had a years a years doing that job. So basically, we had two left backs on. So that's that's why I think it was by design that it came down that side, and it worked. Because everything that we were creating was coming in from there, and Robertson looks in this market at eight million looks an absolute steal. Yep, you're not going to argue inside of me for that, and and you know it's nice to actually see a bargain player, and it's nice to see a kid hitting the ground running for us. Because normally you've got that sort of that period of two or three months where they're finding their feet at a big club and everything. Dave, I take it you were suitably impressed as well by that as a debut. You know, we had to wait a couple of weeks to see the kid, and and, and he didn't disappoint us really, did he? No, he was um, very dynamic, wasn't he? Up and down, pace, shows that he can go, go inside and outside. And, you know, what really stood out for me was the quality of his, his delivery into the box. It was superb. That That's a real bonus for me. And if, if we thought, you know, looking at that at that team, you know, we've talked about all the areas that we haven't strengthened so far. Um, but if we looked at that team last year, probably two of the main complaints were, were the lack of attack and threat that both of our fullbacks gave us. And all of a sudden now you've got the, the options of Robertson and then Trent on the other side. Now, that's quality delivery from both sides and players who can go both inside and, more importantly, outside and beat men. So that, to me, looks like we've massively upgraded in that area. And and also, you know, we talk, you know, Neil talked about Gomez earlier on, but, you know, if he's our third choice right back, then sound. I'm fairly happy with that. So, does a job. Uh, yeah, and you can play center mid or center defense as well. Um, you know, maybe that's where we're going to find him getting his game time. You know, coming on the end of games and so on, all the way along that back four because he's completely versatile. Yeah, I would think that. You know, I don't think it's any secret that he's going to end up end up as a center back, and and um, you know, lots of players find their way out there at right back before the before the move inside. It's a less exposed position. There's there's less pressure on them. Um, and you know we know what type of player he is, so we, we don't expect him to go bombing forward. You know, you know he was better. His distribution, I thought, was was better, and he was competent enough. And, and more importantly, he didn't give away any, any stupid free kicks. 
Um, one thing I did see that gave me real confidence was the way we, the way we, we defended the, the second ball off Benteke and didn't really let them then build off those those high balls. And again, the full the full backs been able to get back in and, and support that was was something else which was really important. So really impressed by Robertson. Um, and Neil's right. It looks like a looks like an absolute an absolute steal. I get million pounds, particularly considering what City have spent on fullbacks this year. Just um, alone. million. I know, like on <laughs> on on fullbacks, like it's absolutely mental. And you know, I'm I'm looking I'm looking at Robertson based on very limited time watching him, and then what Trent's potentially showing if he can continue that sort of form and, and improve. Then I'm, I'm not really wishing. I'm not really looking at City and thinking they're what 125 million pounds better than us in in those areas by any stretch. No, and I think that's a fair comment, Dave. Pete, yourself, you know, look, three points, I think, at the end of the day, we can mill over it and we can say whatever. We got three points and they were a vital three points, given the fact of where we are with these qualifiers for the Champions League, you know, nestled between, and, you know, with Arsenal coming up. And, you know, for me, it was just all about those three points. Uh, You know, we we go back on Wednesday again. Hopefully we can finish the job um, against Hoffenheim. You know, on evidence of last week, I would imagine we should get through that you know, not maybe not fairly comfortably, but we should be able to under under the lights at Anfield. You would like to think that that you know we're we're getting through there, and you know next up we have Arsenal here, a bit patchy still, and you would you would kind of fancy us against Arsenal. You know, uh, you know whether we can keep that team going for the two games we go into an international break after that. You you would fancy us maybe to, to to get something against Arsenal as well. Then you know we've got the international break. Maybe these signings start coming through for us. And after that international break, maybe we're in a different place, Pete. With the amount of players that was rested on Saturday, that going into the Hoffenheim game, you'll have the likes of Can, who's going to be fresh. Dare to say it, Dejan Lovren's going to come in probably back into the side fresh. For me, I'd keep Andy Robertson on that left-hand side because, like, the lads have just spoke about. I thought he had a fantastic debut. There was only there was only one time he's put the ball into the box and it, it, it didn't cause any danger. Really, every other ball that he's put in was into that danger area and, and caused Crystal Palace unlimited amount of problems throughout the game. But like you say, um, Emre Chan was rested as well. Salah only came on second half. Trent was, was rested for the full full 90 minutes. But yeah, Moreno rested as well. I th- he probably will come back into the team. If it was me personally, I'd, I'd keep Andy Robertson in there. So it's probably going to be the same team that, that played against Hoffenheim in, in the first in the first leg. So going into the then onto the Arsenal game, you'll probably probably see another couple of them, them players being rested once again, depending on who's coming back into the team. You'll probably see Daniel Sturridge again in the starting lineup. probably sit out the Hoffenheim game and come back in for, for Arsenal. But yeah, good three points, clean sheet, go on to the Hoffenheim game now. It's vitally important, this game, that we get through. Obviously, they scored that late goal, which which still makes it a bit of a, a bit of a tricky situation. They've still got something to play for. If you're going in 2-0 down, it's, it's it's a bit of an uphill struggle, isn't it? But they've got that goal. If if they get an early goal, then um, sort of get a bit, little bit uneasy in the crowd and things like that and spreads onto the players, transmits through, doesn't it? So you want to you wanna get an early goal ourselves, if, if possible, and, and settle everyone down. Um, you don't want to give them them too much. But yeah, like you say, Dave, under the lights at Anfield, full house, crowd will be well up for it. I, I fully expect us to, to finish the job off. Job off, But it's it's vitally important that we do that because because of the potential signings as well that, that could that could come in. It's not just that the FSG are not going to put the money out until they, they've got the guaranteed Champions League money. It's also the situation from from the players who, who, were, who were likely to come in 
they want to be playing in the Champions League. If, if Liverpool don't qualify, then it's not a, a situation that they want to put themselves in when there's Champions League clubs. Either they're still playing at the Champions League club or that the, there's a Champions League club after them, if you know what I mean. So it's, it's vitally important that we get through to, to the group stages on the, on Wednesday evening. No, absolutely. And nearly yourself, you know, on the back of what Pete's saying there, like, I spoke to, uh, to Lutz Pfeffensteel, um, who's who works at Hoffenheim before the first leg, and you know that he was very much if, if we're going to do this, we will have to do it at home, and and you know the thought of it was the biggest game in their history at home uh, against us, and you know going to Anfield is a completely different scenario for them. Um, you know it was one thing to play in front of the crowd at their stadium. Anfield's a different matter, and I just I just can't see the scenario where we go out, and that's not like me to be that positive, Neil. I'll give you a scenario. Dejan Lovren's on the pitch. There's the only scenario you need. Uh, Simon Mingle and gold, you know, but, but uh, <laughs> even, even at that, I still think we've got enough there to get over the line, Neil. I wouldn't be counting my, <laughs> any chickens. Dave, I really wouldn't. Don't ever underestimate Liverpool's ability to fuck with you. That's the way you're going to look at it. <laughs> I, don't know, I, I don't, but I just think in this particular tie, this particular game, I just think... There, you know, we have two away goals in the bag. Is, is there like insurance here? It surely can't happen. But as, as Pete says, like if they get one, if they get a goal early doors, which is entirely possible against us, because there's one thing you can say with us under Klopp is we don't start very well in games. Unlike when we when we were playing under Rodgers, we would come flying out of the blocks in the first 15, 20 minutes, blow them away a la Arsenal. But now we think we take a while to get going, especially in big games where it's sort of the pressure's on, not necessarily against the big boys. We seem to do better against the big boys, that's fine. But in the games that we're expected to win, but there's a little bit of pressure on, we don't start very well. We look nervous. And then when you put people like Moreno, Lovren and Mignolet in the team, Rightfully so, everybody else is nervous, you know what I mean? And then the crowd gets nervous, Anfield sort of starts to lose its its effect, and then Hoffenheim start going, well, maybe there's something for us, and if they get a goal, they don't need one more, and we've seen it before, once we concede one, we don't just concede one, we concede multiple goals, so if there's a case where we concede a goal, we're probably going to concede another one, so we'll need at least one goal, probably two, that's the way I would look at it, but of course I'm... I'm a cynic. Everybody says I'm a cynic, but we're there to be got at. If we, if we say play... yourself, you're a bloody cynic. Never mind what anybody else says about you. <laughs> I know it. I know I am. It's just I've I've been taught watching Liverpool over the years. I've just been taught and trained myself to to just prepare for the worst. Not necessarily thinking that's what's going to happen, but it's full. It's fully possible because the pressure is going to be on, and we all know that there's a certain certain number of players in that team that wilt under pressure. And I hope I hope not. And then. As Pete was saying, everything depends on this, and that's a high-risk strategy to be... Your entire year's plans are going to be whether we qualify for the Champions League or not, and whether we can get those players in. And then, if you listen to the the Echo pod, podcast and things like that, they're talking about, well, if we don't get into the Champions League, they're talking, hmm, might maybe be a write-off year. A write-off year? It's August? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> already they're talking about the excuses and maybe we'll just write it off we'll try and get back into the top four next year that's craziness to me surely surely yeah. there are players out there there has to be players out there and we should have at least had backups some some form of backup in place by now you don't have to go out and buy a really expensive player on big wages or whatever but just have someone there that but does that not suggest to you Neil that, 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 that 
plan A is still very much on the table because I know that you know if you, uh, there's a, there's a lot of sort of ATK people out there. There's a lot of people who are maybe closer to the club, and you know the suggestion is that you know the plan A is still very much alive, and and the expectation maybe off the club is for plan A to succeed. If you look at it in terms of Barcelona, their plan A was Philip Coutinho, and it's not worked out, and they're Barcelona. Do you know what I mean? So yes, but the way they went about it, the way they, we'll, we'll get into that in a minute with with the Phil Coutinho thing, I, I think. But but I think it, it's a little bit different there. You know, we weren't screaming desperate. I Barcelona just, were. I, I say we'll get into it. But I just think it's different this year. The tra- you can see there has been a shift in the transfer window this year. Clubs don't need the money, and the money isn't talking as much. As we say, players may bitch and moan, and then they just take him back into the fold, like Suarez was. I think clubs have sort of realized their power in the situation again they've kind of kind of realized that again they've got they've got it back they've realized hey wait a minute we actually hold all the power here if nobody's if they haven't got a buyout clause there's nothing really much they could do and it's a world cup year as well so they hold all the power the same way we hold all the cards with phil coutinho southampton hold all the cards with van dyke and same with red bull or whatever you want to call them like leipzig as well it's just I think it's a very high-risk strategy. If it pays off, that's great. We'll probably look really shrewd. We'll look great. But there's a pattern of us looking very daft when we've tried to look shrewd, like what we did with Van Dyke, where we tried to get him for peanuts because we were trying to be really shrewd and smart about it. When we try to be smarter than everybody else is when we usually get found out for being stupid. And that's my worry. No, indeed. Well, well, listen, getting back to the football side of things, David, we'll certainly move into the transfer window after this. I want to give you your say on, on Wednesday night. And, you know, obviously Arsenal straight after it. Do you consider that a good thing or a bad thing? You know, our record against the bigger clubs is great. I, I sort of look at the Arsenal tie after that going, yeah, that's actually maybe better for us. It's Arsenal at home. When don't we, I would play Arsenal at home every week if I could, to be perfectly honest with you. So that doesn't really concern me. But... The fact of the matter is, the guys are absolutely right. You know, it's no surprise to me that the club rested as many players as he did, um, thinking about it, because our whole season hinges on this. Not only this season, but if we don't qualify for the Champions League, that's all of last season, just completely down the pan as well. All of that stress and effort and pushing um, and grinding out results and trying to get ourselves out of a hole in January and February, just all for absolutely nothing. So it's imperative that that we do that, and it is no surprise that that has taken clear priority in, in the early few weeks of the season. So yeah, there's there's, there's guys out there saying that, that you know once Thursday morning comes, the transfer window, one our options in the transfer window, we're going to look a whole lot a whole lot um, more positive. Because of that, it's suddenly going to change everything, which I'm not convinced about. So, yeah, I'm, I'm positive. I am positive. Um, Klopp's record over two legs speaks for itself with us. So I, I have confidence in him to negotiate the second leg of this tie. Hoffenheim looked good, but ultimately we have put ourselves in a position where they have to really chase the game. And that's only going to play into our hands with with the likes of Salah and Mane on the pitch. And if you do have, you know, if you've Trent on one side and Robertson on the other, that's that's going to cause them a world of problems. And and as as easily as they could score an early goal, we could be two up in the first twenty five minutes if they come out and and try to get that early goal. So we'll see what way that we'll see what way the game pans out. I'm fairly positive, and I'm looking forward to it. And it, it's 
I know it's not the Champions League yet, but it's still it's still in my eyes. It's a Champions League game um, on a Wednesday night at Anfield, which can only be a good thing. Absolutely, absolutely. Now I'm going to come to Pete. That's one. You know, if 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 we're to believe what's in the news today. Barcelona's pursuit of Phil Coutinho has come to an end, thus leaving us with the player. Now, given all that's gone on there at the minute, Pete, like really, is there a way back for Coutinho with Klopp? You know, we saw with, with Saka, we, we spoke in our last pod after the Champions League game, you know, how, how difficult it might be. Do you feel that there's maybe a, a, an apology coming if that apology was extended to the fans, the club and Klopp? Do you feel that maybe that would get over this hump in the road and, and get him back playing again? Or, or how, what, what's, your, what, what's your head telling you, Pete? Um, it's it's a very difficult situation, isn't it, Dave? Obviously, with with uh, with Jurgen Klopp now in charge, you, you you've had the situation with with Mamadou Sakho panning out over the past past twelve months when he he failed the drugs test, didn't he? And then he broke another few club rules um, late for his flights and things like that, and, and numerous other club rules that behind the scenes. There's there's a few people telling me that some of the other stuff that that was going on was was beyond belief really which is why he's not anywhere near the first team squad he, he trains with the with the reserves if you like the under 23s he's not even involved with anywhere near the first team so with the situation with Philip Coutinho obviously he's not well he has he's he has sort of he's gone balls deep into this situation hasn't he he's through in the transfer request he's turned around he said he by from what we're led to believe he's not going to play for the club anymore but all this has been transmitted via his agents, via emails and, and things like that. But with Jürgen Klopp in charge of the club, I just don't see how this is, is going to work out favourably for Phil Coutinho. Obviously, it's a, a World Cup year. Obviously, he's a very, very important player to the team. But once you've you've crossed the manager, it seems to me that it's almost impossible for, for you to get yourself back into to the team hopefully I'm wrong and hopefully Klopp won't be as stubborn as he has been with Sacco and he's he can soften the stance a little bit and, and make Phil do an apology and, and things like that but I, I also just don't think it's it's fully over with with Barcelona at the moment I still think there's there's something there obviously they've put this the 7pm deadline on the knee by all accounts and if, if, the, if the offer is on, is not accepted then they're going to walk away from the situation now to me if they really wanted the player they'd have put the money on the table straight away they'd have just gone right there you go 120 million is that what you want for Phil Coutinho there you go so are they using him to get the other guy Dembele also Phil Coutinho wasn't their wasn't their first choice the first choice for their player player to come in was Verratti from, from PSG PSG refused to sell to Barcelona so that's when they sort of had to look elsewhere, look to Coutinho. They haven't really done that much to try and get him through the door. After they've they've come in with this offer that's basically eighty-two million, which is spread over five years. Then they've got all these clauses, Ballon d'Or, several trophies per year. All these clauses that Liverpool basically, according to the Liverpool Echo and James Pierce tonight, they basically didn't even reply to the offer. They just ignored it completely and didn't reply. So it's. It's a very difficult situation, and like we say, it's it's this it's a political one, isn't it? Apparently, another situation was Phil Coutinho was told to the to report to the to the match on Saturday, and he didn't turn up. So again, he's he's crossed what what Jurgen Klopp has has asked of him. So I just think it's going to be very very difficult for Coutinho to to win. First of all, Klopp, then he's got to win back over the fans. So it, it's it's basically an up. Bill struggle for, for Phil Coutinho at the moment and I don't think you're going to see him in a Liverpool shirt for for the foreseeable future for at least I don't know 
I don't know the, the length of time you're not going to see him, but for the foreseeable future, I don't think you're going to see Phil Coutinho in a Liverpool shirt. I just want us to take a stand for a change. I actually, I'm actually all up for cutting our nose off to spite our face on this one. I actually, I would love us to make an example, be a club, act like a big club, because if a big club don't want to do something, and we said we don't want to do it, don't do it. Yeah. Put just balls out just don't do it and if that involves throwing him in the reserves for a year honestly i know it sounds ludicrous or whatever and we should probably just take the money but just as a stand as a making a point but there is no money i think that i think that's the most insulting part for me anyhow is is this structured deal and looking at barcelona certainly if you look at the super uh, the super couple that played there against real madrid Barcelona could be in for a rough enough season. So seeing Felipe Coutinho winning multiple trophies there, I'm, I'm not so sure that, that we'll, we'll ever see that clause being realised. Uh, you know, I think exactly. that the Barca cycle's coming to an end. Yeah, oh yeah, it's definitely come to an end. But I just mean in terms of, a lot of people will say, well, you should take the money if he's not going to play again. I'm actually all for him just not playing again. I'm just saying, you made your bed, now lie in it. Because we are Liverpool we see ourselves as a big club. We keep saying that we're, from from day dot, FG come in and say, we're going to play with the big boys, we're going to offer the same wage, we're going to offer the same money, we're just, we are a big club, we're massive. So act like it, and say, no, you're not going anywhere. It's a World Cup year, if you don't really want to play, well then that's going to be your problem. Balls in your court, Phil. And that's how I would leave it. Uh, you, see, you see, there's another wee aspect to it. Uh, Cheech came out weekend before last time, and, and up until now, you know, the Brazil squad were sort of, they, they, you know, they looked at Douglas Costa, who wasn't a first team starter um, at Bayern for a lot of the time, and you know he he, he was behind Ribery and 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 Robin there, so he was still getting into the Brazil squad. But Cheech has made it clear two weekends ago that you need to be playing first team football to go to the World Cup. Now this puts Coutinho in a. I think I always felt that this message was to Phil Coutinho who was sending. You know, either get this sorted one way or get your head down at Liverpool. I don't know, Dave. What way do you see it? Uh, uh, he's put himself. He's put himself in a really difficult position, hasn't he? And it's 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 baffling to me that it's got to this point now because my understanding is that Klopp sat down with him when these little rumours first started flying around when Barcelona. We're doing what they're usually doing, leaking little bits and pieces to the to the press. So Klopp explained the situation to him, and by all accounts, he said, "Look, Phil, you know it's four weeks to the transfer window closes. The season is literally about to start. So maybe if this had happened, you know, eight weeks ago, even we might have been able to sort something out. But it's just too close to the end of the window." And also considering the fact that the business that we were hoping to do hasn't got done, still hasn't got done to this point. And we might have been looking at a slightly different situation if, if for example, Kaida and Oxley Chamberlain had come into the midfield. But we're not looking at that situation. So he knew exactly what he was getting himself into. And Lallana's missing um, Well, that's another good point, Neil. Yeah, Lallana's missing too. So, um, and they're the only two, two of those types of players really that we have. We gave clubs ample time and we made it well known that, that we were going to be trying to sign this player and that player. Um, so we made our intentions clear from the start. Whereas Barcelona have been panicked into doing this because this was they were caught completely off guard with, with the Neymar transfer. Um, Dave, isn't that, what, isn't that why the offer is so ridiculous? Because they absolutely have to do something here. 
and and they're they're fucking about like excuse my language but they're fucking about with oh we'll drip you this much this year we'll drip you this much and look if he wins this if he wins this they're in desperate need of players and yet they will not shell the cash and we know that they have 222 million they got a check for it it's been it's bandying about online like why where is this money well dave i i think i think that now this is just my opinion on it I think that they're trying to pacify the fans because this has been allowed to happen. Like, this hasn't gone down well. Um, Barcelona look weak. They look vulnerable. They know that there's issues with the, the team as it stands. They've just went out and paid $40 million for Paulinho. That's how, like, that's how desperate PSG they are. PSG had their pants down. Like, Bar- Absolutely. Barcelona embarrassed them last, in the Champions League last year, which uh, PSG didn't like. And then they came in with a derisory offer for Verratti and tried to get him out of there, tried to unsettle him, tried him all the tactics, and PSG just thought, fuck you, we're going to make an example of you, and we're going to go in and we're going to take your best player. That's what we're going to do. And they did it. Totally, and they they and they and also ditched the, the Qatar sponsorship as well, which apparently didn't go down very well. Yeah, but my, my po- my, yeah my point is that I think they, I think they in a, a fit of madness to say, right, what we're tra- going to try and do to fix this situation is we're going to go and try and sign Dembele and we're going to go and try and sign Coutinho. And that, essentially, we're going to replace Neymar with those two players. And in order to do that, they've had to try and spread their offers thin, get the clubs down to as low a figure as they possibly can in order to do both deals. And what's happened is both clubs. But that's have where the new, That's where Neil's, what was Neil was saying there, Dave, about the new scenario about these clubs not necessarily needing to sell anymore, especially English Premier League clubs who are dripping with cash. So Barcelona are used to bullying their way in the market, and all of a sudden they've met this this what, and they don't know how to deal with it. Exactly, and you know what, Dortmund are in a similar position because I'm sure they're I'm sure they're bored of. Of teams coming and taking their best player every year, and you know, and with Aubameyang this year, it didn't happen. And I'm sure they thought, right, happy days, finally a season when our best player hasn't been sniped from 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 under our noses, and then this happens. And I'm sure Zork just went, fuck this, this is not happening, no way. To be fair to FSG, and I agree with Neil totally, they've done exactly they've done exactly um, the same thing, and they've put their foot down and they just went, no, they've just. Stuck two fingers up to them and they've just said no. So I'm I'm happy with that. How Coutinho uh, works his way back into the squad from now is anyone's guess. But like I say, it's a, it's a very difficult um, situation he's put himself in, um, especially sign. with the World Cup year. We should go sign players that makes it irrelevant what Coutinho does. If he's an option, he's an option. Because as we discussed back in January... I actually don't think Phil Coutinho is irreplaceable. I don't think he's as good as £120 million pounds would suggest. I, know, I don't know if you agree. Yeah, he's great, but he's never, ever had that world-class He's, he's not world-class. He has world-class moments. Yeah. That's it. He's not Suarez. He could be world-class, though. He could be world-class, but he's probably, it's probably... That's the thing. It's probably a year early for him even to be going to Barcelona, because... He's going to go in there, Barcelona, to be Neymar's replacement, apparently, it seems, because NES is still there, so he's not displacing him. And he doesn't, that's not his game, the Neymar role. So I don't, I don't even know where he fits in. They're basically just buying him just because. So it's actually, it doesn't even suit his career progression. And I actually don't, Phil Coutinho is not willing, winning any Ballon d'Ors anytime soon, in my opinion. So he's not, he's not irreplaceable. We could go out and we could get a couple of players for. 50, 60 million that could do 
a lot of what Coutinho does, and then it makes it less of a problem if Coutinho is being a bitch on the side. Do you know what I mean? And then that puts again puts the ball back in his court to fight his way back into the team, to fight his way back into the World Cup squad. And it's great PR for FSG because we said fuck you Barcelona and we said fuck you Phil Coutinho. Been by the player par. In an ideal world, obviously. Yeah, I think there's I think there's also the risk there is Nilo, there's also a fear, I think, starting to be generated around clubs that it's really not as easy to buy players as it was even last year. So in selling a player, it's it's more of a risk because we may not be able to replace him. Yeah, you definitely need so, to buy before you sell. Absolutely. Mm. And Everton Everton did that really well, to be fair to them. Um, you know, they went and spent the money and then sold the Kaku. So they weren't being held to ransom. Um, but they bought a little shit. Well, they, they, yeah, but they're you know this this the strategy the strategy was well thought out to give them a little bit of credit. From what I'm led to believe was that um, Casino signed his deal back in January. In March, he told Jurgen Klopp that he was he was staying for for the for the twelve months. He was definitely not going to be going this summer. If Barcelona was to come in for him next summer, then they'd, they'd sit down and have a look at the situation then, because Barcelona have earmarked Coutinho as the replacement for Iniesta in the in the central midfield role, which he's going to be playing for Liverpool if all this, all this um, palaver hadn't have gone on. So Barcelona had earmarked him for that role, but once Neymar had gone, I think they've panicked, and obviously the lad from Dortmund, Dembele, has been linked with them. They've been linked with Seri as well from, I think it's Nice, and by all accounts that move is, is is pretty close at, at forty million. Like you say, they bought Paulinho in. So I don't know who it was, um, Neil or Dave, who said it, it would be the right career move for for Philip Coutinho, and, and I totally agree with that. Why would he want to go to to Barcelona when when there's all sorts of things going on behind the scenes, isn't it? It doesn't look like the board is doing a very good job of of leading the club in the direction that they they want to be going in. Obviously, there's there's also question marks over Lionel Messi's contract, whether he's going to sign. And you one, you've got Suarez who's out for uh, injured for um, for a few for a few weeks. Or I don't know how long his his injury is for. Then you've got an agent in Iniesta who they're struggling to replace. So there's a lot of things going on at Barcelona. There's why why would he want to go there when the club he's already at is going in a is going in an up, upward trajectory. In my opinion, the the players that are coming in the squad at the moment, the likes of Mane, Salah, he's got pace in front of him. He's got Firmino as well, another Brazilian. Um, so why would he want to go to a club that's that's going in the opposite direction to what Liverpool are at the moment? Now next summer, you could also see Paris Paris Saint Germain coming for Phil Coutinho because obviously Neymar's a very good friend of his, and they wanted him this summer as well. So I think with the financial fair play situation, Paris have not been able to to bring put in an offer for for Coutinho this year as well because obviously. The link with the guy Mbappe as well. So if they got him, then they're going to have to start selling players, aren't they? PSG. But I think that'd be an option for them next year with with Philip Philip Coutinho. Going back to um, to his his role back at Liverpool, there's, there's just that many scenarios how this could work out. Um, it's going to be very very interesting to see to see what move the club make, what move Coutinho makes, what move Jurgen Klopp makes, um, what moves the fans make. There's there's that many. There's that many things in the pot at the moment, isn't there? That when it gets stared round, who knows what what it's gonna uh, what's gonna come out of that pot? Neil, do you feel that maybe you know on the back of what uh, what Pete's saying there, 
you know, we're not, maybe FSG are not setting the world on fire and, and putting stars in Phil's eyes with, with, her, with what's transpired basically in this transfer window with virtually no movement. Do you feel that maybe if we'd have got a couple of signs in the continuum thing, would it would have been easier to smooth over? Not really. I'd said that or I'd said that between us and our WhatsApp group. I thought that, but I've kind of rethought that because I actually think uh, D is right. If if we had a got in who we wanted to get in, I think Phil probably would. We would have just sold him. I don't think it would have been as much of a a problem. But on on those terms, Neil, I, I you know look, I I can see us selling uh, continue. It's, it's a possibility. It's still a possibility, but not for that sort of drip feeding of of twenty million here and fifteen million. There. You know, it's just not on. Yeah, but it's. I think it might have been a bit different. It might have been the situation might have been a bit different. He might have went a wee bit earlier in the window. It mightn't have been off the back of Neymar deal if all of that had happened. I think because we are so hostile to anybody leaving because we've sort of screwed up our own dealings. I think it was just never on. I just see that I think it would have been a completely different scenario if we got in our own players because we would have been moving in the way that we want and it would have been Klopp could have maybe accepted that one player didn't want to move in that direction and that was fine. But now we haven't got anybody in and it looks it's like Phil's jumping ship and I think that's that's the main problem. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And I think I think Klopp is more hurt by that fact as well. Is that Phil knows how much he's needed, and Lalana's out injured. We haven't got Kaida in. Our midfield looks really barren. We're the club who have basically rescued Phil Coutinho's career. Yes, he's done things himself as well, but it was us. We we went to enter. We got him. We rejuvenated his career, and I think he owes Liverpool a bit of a debt of gratitude there. And I think if we had got players in. I don't think the debt would have been as big, personally. I just think it's a completely different scenario if we've got other players in because it eases the transition if you want to get rid of players in that case. And Dave, yourself, you know, given what you know, was alluded to earlier in the podcast, uh, I think we just close out on this one, the, the, this question, and run around the table with it. You know, given Jurgen Klopp's stubbornness and, and you know, look, he's a man of principle. I, I respect that. Um, but... You know, Phil Coutinho basically sitting there rotting in the reserves really isn't an option. I, I'm it really flicks my switch. You know, there has to be some sort of resolution, or it has to be a seal. I agree. For the for in the in the best interests of the club, you're absolutely right. Um, he either needs the player, he needs replaced one or the other. An asset like that sitting there is a travesty. So, it that situation needs resolved. How long it's going to take to get resolved, as Pete said earlier on, is anyone's guess. I think probably we're probably going to learn a lot about about the manager. I think we're going to learn a lot about Coutinho during this international break as well, because he will play for Brazil. And well, we, you know, as Liverpool fans, we can sort of gauge where his head's at based off those performances. Well, that's another interesting point, Dave. Will he pay, play for Brazil? Will I we think not? He, I, I will, think he will. Will, we, will Liverpool just not contact Brazil and say? Well, he's got a back injury. I, I honestly think Cheech goes with him. Cheech loves him. He'd be the second. I, in my opinion, he's the second name on the team sheet behind Neymar. And honestly, you know, I can see him playing. There's the, you know, Brazil have already qualified for the World Cup, but they still want to top the group. And, you know, a couple of, couple of tricky enough uh, qualification games coming up in the next few weeks. And, and I do think he will be played. I, I could be completely wrong. And that can't play if we don't release him. If we don't release him, he can't play. Uh, well, this, well, that's the point. The other thing is, as well, is 
What's that? I think Coutinho, if 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 he is if he has come to the realization that he is not going to be allowed to leave, which is 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 increasingly likely uh, based on today's events, how's that going to look? How's that going to look to the fans? How's that going to look to the manager? And maybe that's the maybe that's where he starts to to build his bridges because I think that could be you know that decision of whether he goes and plays and shows that actually I am fit or at least has a little bit of humility and, and, and thinks to himself, well, it's probably best if I just take my licks here, put my hands up and go, well, do you know what, guys? I know it's no I know it's no big secret that I'm not playing, but at least I'll not make a public show of the fact that this is all just a big charade. So it, 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 that'll, that'll tell me a lot about the player, I think, actually, more than anything else. What happens after that will will tell us will tell us a, a bit about the manager. Yeah, I totally agree with the situ- with what he was saying then because apparently Philip Philip Coutinho was fit to play in the game um, in Dublin and he's he's been fit to play in 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 the Premier League games. He, he's just been left out of the squad because of of what's going on behind the scenes. He's the saying he's got a back injury. Yeah, he might have had a, a slight a slight injury back in, in pre season after the Hong Kong trip. It was, but. Philip Coutinho has been fit to play for Liverpool since since the game before the start of the season. Obviously, he's not been training out in the open. He's just been training on the inside of inside the Melwood, keeping himself fit in there. But I think he shouldn't go to Brazil. I think he should stay. Like um, it was a Dave O'Neill. I don't, I don't know who it was. He was on last. Um, they said he he should stay at Liverpool and sort of try and and build his bridges. If he like, he said, if he goes out there, he's basically he's just saying it, everyone can see that he's. He's taking the mick, and he's just—he's gonna do what he wants now. If he stays at the club, he makes his apology and takes it from there. Then, like you say, you'll, you'll see him in a different light. He's got to see his own his own public relations um, in this as well. He's been badly advised. He needs now to take advice from the club. I think as to as to where he goes from here. If he is, uh, if the club adamant that he, he's not going anywhere, and he's he has to knuckle down and he has to to stay at Liverpool, then it works both ways. Philip Coutinho, it's got to come from Phil and it's got to come from the club. It's got to be a, a joint enterprise, hasn't it? It's, it's got to be the two of them reading off the same page. Once again, you can't have one side saying one thing and, and Coutinho's team saying another. They've got to both be on the on the same page, reading from the same hymn book, if you like. So it's going to be very interesting to see what, what sort of move he makes but um, yeah, going back to the stance on um, FSG, which I, I haven't spoke about, I think it, it's 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 really refreshing to be honest that that the club have um, turned around and said that he's not for sale, and they've they've stuck to the guns, if you like. Uh, I know they come up with the statement, didn't they, just before Phil put in the transfer uh, fair request. So credit to F- FSG in that situation, and and what I'd say, I know a lot of fans slag FS FSG off, but at this moment in time, I'd just say wait till the end of the transfer window, and then judge them on the on the business that that's happened. If they keep Coutinho and they sign two or three players, then everyone once again thinks thinks the decent owners and things like that. So there's there's a lot of um, pros and cons with, with FSG. Apparently, there was a hundred million pound to spend this summer, but that was coming from that money was from Standard Chartered, who who had. Um, I think it's as long as we qualify for the Champions League, they they're due to pay another twenty five million pound a year over. I think it's over four years or something like that, which would have been, which was 
100 million pound that they said and the other 100 million pound to make two which was put out in the press earlier after the season had ended was the other 100 was from sales from the likes of Sacco Markovic obviously Kev Stewart went to to, um, to Hull for about 10 million as well so that's that's the FS, FSG standpoint I know a lot of people don't, don't like them I don't think they're particularly good owners and I don't think they're particularly bad owners I just think that um, they've got a chance. They had a chance this summer to to show the fans what they could do, whether they could make them big money signings and, and take us up to that next level once again. But so far they haven't. But I just I'd, I'd hold back until the until the end of the transfer window before I'd um, I'd make my final judgments on on their on their business this summer. And um, Neil, I can sense steam coming from your ears. I'll, I'll let you I'll let you close this one out uh, with your thoughts on what Pete's saying there. Not necessarily, actually. I, I, I fully agree with... I, I'm not part of this FSG out brigade or any of those mental cases. I'm just fully... Just wish they'd do it more intelligently. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much it, yeah. <laughs> it's just we could have better owners, and I think that's just plainly a fact. And just because FSG saved the club and were the right right owners at the right time doesn't mean they're they're now the right owners at the right time nothing fsg have sh- shown in the past four windows with club says to me that they're ready to take the club to the next step it's it's always seems to be with fsg is this we're going to get we're going to buy one piece of the puzzle and hope that he can just complete the puzzle himself it was a bit like that with Suarez. It was just like, well, Suarez will do everything for us, and then we'll get Klopp in, and then we won't bother with a uh, director of football. We'll get Klopp to do everything. We'll say that Edwards is the director of football, but you have to sort of question what's Edwards really doing because in on day one, Klopp says everything's going through me. I say who we sign. I say who we don't sign. I say who we sell, who we don't sell, etc. So really, what is Edwards doing? It just seems that. FSG want to always half-ass their way through things. They want to do it, and as what I said earlier on, they're always trying to be the smartest guys in the room, but they always seem to be the least informed people in the room, and that's my real problem with them. We, by no means are they bad owners, and as Pete says, this was their opportunity to do it. And I, I don't even think if we get a couple of players in before the end of the window, the sort of the mutterings will go away because. We have left it so, so late. The season has already started. We've already lost two points at Watford. This game at Hoffenheim is probably more difficult than it should have been. And if we had got our shit together earlier in the window, and we had been playing like the big boys do, get their business done June, July, then we could be two points up. We could be up there with Man United at the top of the league. Yes, it's only two games in or whatever. But we wouldn't be talking about these problems. And Champions League could just be a formality. And I just that's decisions FSG have made and have led to that. And I can't you can't shy away from it. And people who say, Well they're the great they're great owners that saved the club, yes they did, but that doesn't necessarily mean that they're the right club the right owners to take the club to the next level, which is we're we're just teetering on the edge. That's where we need to go up that level. And if they can't take us up that level, they might as well just sell what what's the difference, you know what I mean? They can sell us for a good profit, they get their profit, we get hopefully better owners and we go to the next level. Why would anybody be against that? Because in the end, it's all about winning trophies. It's not about satisfying bank balances. We're not the bank managers of Liverpool Football Club. Why do we care what's in the bank? So if there's an opportunity there to move to the next level, 
we should all be for it. There should be no loyalists to the owners or loyalists to players. It's like everything. We score fo- Liverpool Football Club, and if there's a chance, but, but you're 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 living there, Neil, think in a world that, uh, that you know, the 1970s and 1980s when 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 there was a bit of loyalty in football, and and sadly, I, I just don't think it exists today. And I think those days are gone, and it is more about bank balances, you know, and and the product on the pitch is is, is becoming less and less of a talking point as, as as the years go by, and it's more about the political stuff that we're we've busy dedicated the pod here to. You know, ten percent of the pods on the game, and and ninety percent of us on the politics. And I think that's that's the whole disconnect here at the minute. But listen, we're we're just up about time, folks. And Pete, I'll come to you for a bit of a plug. Uh, obviously, the cop table's back in action again. Where we can find you on Twitter and so on. Far away uh, at the cop table podcast. You can follow myself at Peter Phillips underscore. This week on the the cop table, we're going to be previewing the the Arsenal game. Past couple of weeks, we've had some good guests. We've had our friend Nick Tanner back on the show. We've had um, we've had Kent Riley, who's um, quite a famous actor over in uh, in the Mers. Side area has been in quite a few things. Uh, looking to get a few more ex-footballing guests on at the moment. Yeah, thanks very much uh, for having me on the show. I enjoyed it, lads, and hope you uh, enjoy the game against the uh, Hoffenheim on uh, Wednesday evening. Listen, Pete, thank you so much for appearing. Lovely to have you on. Hopefully, you'll come back and talk to us again throughout the season. Listen, the yeah. other two guys, you can find their, their Twitter handles there on on the tweet. Uh, and you know, just thanks to them for for the pod. We'll have another pod for you again after the Hoffenheim game. And until then, just leave me to say thank you to the listener and good night.